Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nathan Siegel. I'm joined with my colleague Hamish Baston out of Australia, and we are The Thought Hackers. With us today is Christine Handy. Christine is a speaker, author, and a breast cancer survivor. Her Her journey encourages her listeners to be their best selves in all aspects of life. Her motto is, there is always purpose in pain. Her challenges led her to write her first novel, Walk Beside Me, which became a bestseller. As a model, Christine has appeared in campaigns for brands such as Guess, JCPenney, Pepsi, and Target. She has appeared as a breast cancer advocate and expert on many radio and television programs, including Fox News Radio. Christine is passionate about empowering women, and she serves as a spokesperson, speaker, and ambassador for cancer-related causes. Christine, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much, Nathan and Hamish. I'm so excited to be here with the Thought Hackers. Yeah, good to have you. So we were, we were talking about a little bit about your journey the other day, and, and you, I can't remember whether it was one or several pivotal moments when your life started to disintegrate. Yes, it was several, um, and it didn't totally disintegrate until I was diagnosed with breast cancer. But interestingly enough, the disintegration actually turned into the pivotal moment when I turned my life into something that was very meaningful and purposeful. So what looks like to me was a tragedy, and uh, I would endure 28 rounds of chemotherapy and and, and some pretty um, life major traumatic moments through it, I... um, it actually turned my life into something that I really loved. And uh, so it, it worked out in the end, but it was it was challenging going through it, to say the least. That's a really interesting way to look at it, something I really loved. That's... Yeah, it's funny. Um, funny, not ha-ha, but funny, interesting. I had a colon resection when I was 35 years old, which I ended up um, almost bleeding to death on the table from a doctor error. And then when I was 41, I had a torn ligament in my wrist and my right arm was fused after a doctor error. And then when I was 42 years old, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And all of those three combined uh, really led me to finding out who I was inside. And what I found out mm. who I was, when I found out who I was inside, I actually loved who I was. And before, when I was going through that, and even before that, I, I didn't love who I was. So in the end, it actually worked out better for me to go through those life-changing scenarios. So was there a worst moment in all of that? It seems like there were several, so kind of hard to pick. Yeah, there was a lot. Yeah, there was a worst moment. I, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, you can imagine after the colon resection um, and the wrist debacle, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I decided that it was then that I was going to plot to kill myself, and I did. I plotted to, to commit suicide because I was, my self-esteem was an all-time low, and I had been bullied by the doctor who just basically destroyed my right arm, and I felt like I had no self-worth, and I was so concerned about being able to get through 28 rounds of chemo, and I thought that nobody would stand by my side, 
I felt like I had reser- all the reserves that I had stored up from friendships and, and good relationships. I had used them all going through those two previous illnesses. And so my self-esteem was just wiped out. And, and so when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I committed, I, I decided to kill myself because I didn't knew I couldn't get through 28 rounds of chemo and more surgeries. And so I decided, okay, I'm just going to take myself out of this equation because this is not working. And I didn't have anything to give other people. And I think that ultimately, um, you know, taking is one thing, but giving is a whole different thing. And for me, when I had nothing to give, even myself, um, I felt like the only thing that I could do was take my own life. Right. And you mentioned the bullying earlier. Can you tell us a bit more about what happened there? Sure. Well, it's interesting. I, um, that's a great question. And it's such an important topic that I believe that people don't necessarily want to talk about, it's, it, especially adults. Right? It's, a, it's kind of um, in vogue for kids to be able to speak about it. But for adults, it's not really very popular. It's not a popular subject. And it's something we have to talk about because it's so prevalent in our community, even as adults. And um, I started modeling when I was at a very young age and when I was 11. And I didn't realize then, and I didn't realize over the course of my modeling career, which is 25 years, that I was being bullied along the way. And when I, when I tore a ligament in my wrist and I went to see this doctor who, you know, we all think that our doctors are the best doctor, the best orthopedic surgeon, the best this, blah, blah, blah. And I picked this doctor and I went to see, and I, he did the surgery. And after there was a problem and my wrist inflamed and there was clearly something going on, um, he started to talk down to me and he started to act like I was a hysterical housewife, not only through his words, but through his actions. For instance, he didn't want to see me on his books. He tried to push me off to a physical therapist that was in a different hospital. And it got to a point where I didn't recognize it at first, but once I recognized it, I realized how bad it was. And in fact, when he did the surgery, he did it orthoscopically. So there were two little hole, micro, you know, holes in my wrist and those wouldn't close. And one, about two months after the surgery, a, a little piece of metal oozed out of one of those holes. It's disgusting, oh really. Oh, mm. no, yeah. it was crazy. It was so crazy. And I went and I took a picture of it. And I took and I went to the, I went to see him and I showed him the picture. And you will not believe what he said to me. He said to me, how do I know that that picture is of your wrist? And you didn't oh. just take it of something on the arm of an airplane. Wow. Really? So, That's so arrogant. It's so arrogant. And, and you know, I'm sure, like, all of us were, were taught to respect the medical community and they're the higher power and they're the, they're the gods, It's right? a very so strong belief well. and, yep. And yeah. we, we, Hamish and me, we've, <laughs> we've, we've run into this headlong so many times. Uh, uh, you would have no way of knowing this, but we were heavily involved in, in PTSD groups and so on. And the yes. extreme belief in, in the medical profession, which would say, well, you're going to have PTSD for the rest of your life and you're never going to recover. We have been threatened. We have been abused. We have been told that we're liars, that frauds, charlatans. We've heard it all. <laughs> and, and that the I, doctors I, I are, the, are the gods. Yeah. 
right. Kristen, I you were. Kristen, I was just going to ask when when did you actually realise and become aware of the bullying from this surgeon? Was it um, was it before the operation or after it or? It was after, before the operation, he was very, very kind to me. He was very polite. He was very, in fact, he was a little bit, he was engaged with me, right? Because yeah. I, I was this mm -hmm. beautiful model and he, he was, a, he, he was even maybe even a bit flirtatious, not in, you know, yeah. he, he wasn't married, but yeah. I was and not in, not in, in a, in a, in an inappropriate yeah. way, yeah. but he was, he went out of his way to be kind to me. Yeah. And. Mm. His, his demeanor changed when, when he realized something was wrong with my wrist. And it almost made him turn into, he got very defensive, right? And, but I didn't stand up to the, him, and he was a bully, right? We have to stand up to the bullies for the bullies to back down. And I, didn't, I never really stood up to him, actually, until I sued him and I won. Um, but he, he, um, his attitude became, became the, when I realized his, he was bullying me was, when I was ashamed to tell my husband what he was saying to me. Right. Hmm. So I really? was so wow. ashamed by what this man was saying to me that I didn't have the courage to tell my husband what this man was saying to me. And that's when what? I realized what, what, he was bullying me. What did he say that, that triggered the shame? Well, I mean, the one, the, the one thing about, you know, calling me a liar that the picture I took wasn't really the, the picture I took um, yes. Also, he 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 implied that everything that was going on with my wrist, the inflammation, the pain, I was exaggerating it, and I was making it up in my head, and I had nothing else to do but to complain about something, and and I was looking for attention, and he made comments like that, and I was and I was truly ashamed of it, and I, I don't know why, um, but again, I go back to my self esteem, which was really really low. And I just felt like, well, shoot, maybe I, I almost believed him, right? Yeah. We get to a point where we almost believe the bullies. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask so you. Did it, you actually, was, with, yeah. with, with the thinking that you were sort of getting to that, that lower self-esteem and the shame and all that, that you did actually create beliefs that what he was saying was actually right? Well, I think I had endured a lot of bullying and a lot of that shame when I was modeling. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was just a kind of a consistent attitude, in particular with men, to me, and I, of course I'm a woman, and I, I'm not, this is not a global um, attack, but in the, in the business that I was in, in the career that I was in, which was modeling, that was prevalent. Hmm. And you hear about it, and people, and people talk about it, but I never really recognized it about myself, because, I mean, I was, I, I did really, I was very successful at what I did, and I was on time, and I was you know, I was, I was reliable and people liked me. Uh, they hired me and they hired me back. And so I got a lot of really good campaigns. So I didn't recognize the bullying until after. Yep. But I think that, I think that prevailing attitude stayed with me. And, and even until my, until my young forties, when this doctor bullied me and I still had that prevailing attitude that I had gotten used to. And I look back, it's interesting because I look back, and such a, such a good question that you asked, Hamish, I look back, and I can't believe that was actually me. Yeah. But it was me. And I'm such a different person now, which is why I'm so well, happy. are very... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. Well, I just, 
I, I just can't believe that that was a person I was. And yeah. I, and I just want to take young people and I want to take people that are being bullied. And I just want to go, you have to learn this now. You don't, please don't go through what I went through. You have to, you have to see what's going on now. Right. It's, it's not that easy to see. Bullies are very good at, at undermining people. And, and one of the things that I learned from my own experience with bullies is if you get close to the point of unmasking them for what they're doing, mm. uh, they yeah. go into what I refer to as high bully mode where they intensify uh-huh. the bullying and they make everything worse and they uh, use all sorts of people and attitudes and things against you. And the purpose is to get you to back down so they can keep uh, with on with this pattern of domination. The whole purpose is to make you to submit so they can suck the life out of you. That's how it works. And right. if you, I mean, by fighting back, if, if you were to intensify the fighting back, and it's, it's pretty clear by what you've said that you did do that at one point by suing him, that's definitely right. taking it to the next level. And when you do that, that's when things can really change. But the, the purpose of the bully is to keep people in submission and bowing to their will. And so, so it's, it's not surprising that you were experiencing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, uh, Christine, from that experience that you've had through, through that journey of the, with the medical profession where a lot of our listeners are in that position that they uh, would probably be getting bullied or getting stuck in the beliefs that what, these, what they're being told by these doctors and professionals is absolutely true, that, you know, you be living with this stuff for the rest of your life. What's your advice to people sort of going through that journey of the awareness and, and the, the thinking that they can go through to help them be more aware of it and coming out of it? Well, that's a very, it's such a great question, Hamish, and I, I would love to be able to know the answer. For me, it was a self-esteem issue. <laughs> yep. And, I, and I, I, I hope that other people can empower themselves enough that they have a better self-esteem because I think that's, you know, from, an, from inside, th- that's where it really hurt me. Yeah. And I believed, his, I believed the lies that he was telling me because I didn't feel good enough about myself to, to, to realize it. And yeah. I think that, you know, we as, or me as a, as a role model, as a woman, as a 46-year-old woman, as a role model, it's my obligation to share these stories because for the 20 year old that's out there or the 25 year old that's out there, that's questioning their self esteem and maybe they hear this story or maybe they hear a story similar and they can say to themselves, huh, they can do a little checklist of their self esteem. And I think it's also important that we, especially as women, because I think women in general are, you know, well, I shouldn't say that, but I, I, I feel as a, as a woman, you know, we have, certain things that we're meant, supposed, you know, taught to do. We're supposed to be the housemaker and we're supposed to be, you know, have children and, you know, listen to these doctors. And, and I think there are a lot of stereotypes and I, and I would say to young people and I do when I speak, you know, you have to, it doesn't matter the gender or the age, you have to stand up for yourself. You have to figure out what it is that you want inside of yourself before you can really be there for anybody else. Yeah. Or be, you know, or, or teach anybody else, or, or love anybody else, because it's really self-love that has to come first. Yep. Yes. So, in in terms of your journey, you've you've spoken about a number of different changes or realizations. Was there a, 
any particular big aha moment, or were there several? Um, I think the biggest aha moment was when I decided not to kill myself. Um, it sounds like such a cliche, and and I don't I don't say this lightly, but when I decided that I was going to kill myself, um, my my older son was in boarding school, and I was really waiting for him to come home to say goodbye, and. For the course of three weeks, which were three weekends, he got in trouble at boarding school, so he couldn't come home the first weekend. And so I postponed what what I was going to do. The second weekend, he was supposed to come home. He got in trouble. The third weekend, he got he got in trouble again. And it was those postponements that ultimately led me to want to fight for my life and save my life, because what was happening was during those that delay for my son coming home, my friends, my my strong faithful belief friends would come over to my house every day and say, not only was my life worth living, but there was going to be a great story that would come out of this and I would be able to help people in the end. And that's actually what happened. Yep. But it took them, it took, the, it, took, it took those mighty women and those mighty words day after day after day after day to convince me that, my had, that I had self-worth. And once I figured out that I had self-worth, man, I was all in. But that was really my aha so, moment. So, and in terms of hurdles that you had to overcome, was was that the defining moment with these women coming over, or was there something else that really, you know, like you said, you had to discover that self worth? So I, I realized. To get I realized. Yeah, I. You know, I realized. I realized they were going to show up, and it was. And for me, I didn't. I was so afraid that people wouldn't show up. Again, it goes back to your self-esteem, my self-esteem, but it also went back to, you know, I, for me, I needed, I needed people to say, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to forsake you. And they never forsake me. And, what they, and their word was truth because they didn't forsake me and they didn't leave my side. And I knew at that point that I didn't have to go through this alone because I think a lot of the times that we go through hurdles, we, uh, we, w- women and men, we become stoic and we want to just do it on our own. Well, I can handle this or I don't need help. And, and, and it's, almost, it's almost shameful to ask for help, right? And, and so when these women started to show up and, and I didn't ask for them to show up, but they just showed up and they kept showing up, then I realized they weren't going to leave my side, that I was going to have, you know, people behind me to stand by me and and that's kind of how my that's when I started to really change. And then and then I went through twenty eight rounds of chemo, so that was fifteen months of these women showing up. And by the time I was done wow. with chemotherapy, and these women had shown up for fifteen months, I felt like I was empowered. I mean, I, I felt stronger than I've ever felt in my entire life. Yeah. Even though, even yeah. though, quite ironically, physically, I was so weak. I was ninety pounds, and you know, barely alive from wow. chemotherapy, but. But emotionally, I was stronger than I had ever felt in my entire life. Yeah. Okay, well, I wanted to sort of, the, the story that you're talking about, which clearly has gone into the book that you wrote, Walk Beside Me. Um, and, yeah. you know, so getting sort of into the interview a bit now, I'd like a bit of an explanation around the book, what it was, sort of what's in the story, mm-hmm. and what, what listeners are going to get from reading that book and the journey that you went through. So tell us a bit about the story in the, of the book, yeah. Walk Beside Me. Well, my, my story is, my, my story of my life over the last 10 years is really in my book. 
Uh-huh. And it's a fiction, um, but it's, it's, it's based on my life. And it's full of, you know, it, again, going back to the bullying, my book talks a lot about things that people don't want to talk about. It, we, I talk about unadulterated truth. And, you know, my character, Willow Adair, is a heroine that is relatable to everybody's life and, and to everyday life. Um, but it's got a really, my book has got a really an emotional background to it. And it's been well-received because it is so honest and it's got such grit to it. Um, and, th- and there's a lot of suspense. You want to keep going from chapter to chapter. But it does, it not only talks about the health issues, but it talks about the bullying and it talks about the suicide and it talks about, you know, it, the, you know, the stereotypes that I talked about. Yep. Um, and so it, it has been, so it's not really just about the illnesses, it's about, you know, the, you know, I, I talk about the physical pain being the easy part of the, of the, of the equation. The emotional pain was considerably worse. And I think a lot of people like my book because I'm an emotional writer and you can really, I'll give you one really good example about my book. My book was up for an award in the Hamptons um, and the librarian in the Hamptons library is the one that chooses the books and they choose 30 books and they have this big award ceremony at the end of the summer. And my book was one of the books that was up for this uh, award and the librarian, this was, my, this was my worst criticism, but this was my best <laughs> accolade for my book, all in one. The librarian said she couldn't choose my book because it left her feeling for seven days. Yep. Now, if, if my book can leave somebody feeling for seven days, then I think I've done a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right? That I mean, that's, compliment. that's a compliment. That's the highest compliment, and I, and I originally took it as, oh, shoot, you know, my book isn't going to get this award, and it's not going to be in this program, and I thought, you know what, that's a pretty darn good thing. This is a, this is a, this is a compliment. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. Sometimes so, what, what seems to be less is actually more. We don't necessarily right? see it at the time. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, 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 well, somebody quoted one time about my book when they, they posted on social media, they said, bullying can kill, steal, and destroy, but this book gives hope to those who have endured this type of abuse. And so I think there's a, there's a common theme in my book, which is bullying, which is, is what the thought hackers, you all are doing such a job of, of bringing to the world, to attention, and uh, it's such an important topic, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Right. Well, we're excited to have you here to talk about mm. it. It's uh, there's so much happening. Yeah. It's um and just to you know, it's what it is for you, the journey and you know, the self esteem and all the little bits that you've found within yourself, you know, if it it's not gonna connect with everyone, but you know, everyone's gonna get a little there's so many stories we're we're getting from people that we're talking to that there's so much information to help people just change their thinking and look look a bit deeper inside of what it really is not not all the outside things that are happening but you know if you can change one two you know half dozen lives with with your story and just your little tips on on you know especially the self-esteem and the you know this self-love that has to come first and you know it's uh yeah that's what that's what i think yeah i think it's so exciting the thought hackers is exciting because you know, for me, the podcasts that I listen to, I, I listen to them on a weekly basis. And listening to stories that you are giving out are, you know, they, they're, they, 
impact people's lives and they're going to keep impacting people's lives because each week is going to be another story and and somewhere that somewhere inside it's going to it's going to resonate to you and and it's so important especially with this these topics of you know PTSD and and bullying and and self esteem yep. they're you know really they're just so important and i applaud you both and thank you thank you well um, so i i just have a few questions that i'd like to ask you and one of the things that was running through my mind as you were you were talking about the various things that happened is what was the best piece of advice that you received during that time? Oh my gosh, that's such a good <laughs> question. And I have <laughs> You would have had a lot of people throwing I, I, advice at you. I I'm sure, but there I'm sure that but there's one thing, hopefully, or maybe a few, but if you had just to pick one, what would it be? Well, the, yeah, okay, well, I'll give you a couple. But what, I think the, okay. the, one thing, the one thing for me was to, tr- to trust in the Lord and yeah. to, to believe that there was purpose in pain. And I just couldn't understand that. I couldn't figure out that there, there was a purpose in any of this pain. There was too many things and too, much, too many problems and too many people had let me down and I had let myself down and, and my, I couldn't climb out of this hole. But learning, you know, uh, to trust in the Lord and to trust in myself and to believe that, that, that there, there, was, there was purpose in this pain was what I had to hold on to. And once I held on to that, then I was often flying on my way. We can always, everybody that, everybody that goes through pain, everybody that goes through trauma, it's a choice how we use it. It's a choice yeah. how we tell it. It's a choice how we show it. And if we, have the, if we have the courage to tell it and we have the courage to show it and we have the courage to speak it, there is always lessons that can help other people and there's always, always purpose in pain. Thank you. Yeah. So, so beyond that, you know, what do you use on a daily basis? Like what's a, a personal habit that you use that contributes to your your ongoing success? Well, that's a very good question, Nathan, and, and one I love to answer. I My book is called Walk Beside Me because I part of it is the reason the title is because I walk. I'm a, walk, I'm a walker, and I've walked for years and years and years, and I've walked through all of these battles literally around the block, around the city I live in, around the town, with friends, with mm-hmm. family. And my personal favorite habit each day is to, to walk, to take a walk and to clear my mind and to listen to podcasts. Like quite literally, I listened, I put my headset on and I walk around wherever, ta- whatever town I'm in. Even if I'm traveling for work, I take a walk and it's a personal habit that I've depended on. And I do it again. I do it on an everyday basis. Even I've had broken feet and I still, I'll, I'll find a way to walk somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, that's dedication for sure. Okay, it's an it's an emotional it's for emotional and physical purposes, right? Yep. Yeah. No, that makes it makes total sense. I mean, uh, in years past with this one friend that I had, we would we would wind up in certain situations that would create difficulties, and one of the things she would say to me is, "We need to move the energy. Let's go for a walk." Mm-hmm. And we would go for these really long walks, and we did it a lot. So 
I can very much relate to what you're saying there. So no, for for those who yeah, sorry. So so for those people who are, are listening or will be listening to this thing, um, okay, you've there's your book that you've recommended. How how would people get more information about it? Oh well, it's on Amazon, it's on um, Books a Million, it's on Barnes and Noble, it's on my website, which is ChristineHandy.com or WalkBesideMe.net. Um, it is mm-hmm. sold on the Kindle. It's sold on iTunes, Apple. It's it's um it's a lot of play, Indigo books. It's uh, it's out there. It's it's very easy to find. Yep. It's called Walk right. Beside Me, and um, it's it's become a national bestseller, which is. So it makes it a little bit easier to find, but yeah. um, especially coming up for Breast Cancer yeah. Awareness Month, it, it'll be a very popular book because uh, it's not just about, obviously, it's not just about the illnesses and breast cancer, but um, it's a great book that people like to give yeah. women who are going through breast cancer. So, and, but right. it's, uh, it's out there. We'll certainly Good. make it, make it more available it's- too. We'll have links to it. It's um, just just before yeah, you yes. continue with that question, Nathan. I just I'm just getting this feeling, Christine, with with this book, with you, and just having a, a read of it as you're talking, or the 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 bio on it. The Willow's friends they go with her to the chemo. They they come and, and the friends are walking beside her. I'm getting this real feeling that I'm I'm actually looking at you walking beside yourself a lot in it as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Is well, that, you know, I. Yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. Is there something like that in it? Like you're, you say that you go for walks every day, and I can actually just picture you doing that, and you're walking beside yourself. Just something I'm getting. Well, ultimately, yeah, ultimately that's what it became, and I'm not going to give away the end of the book, but that's ultimately what happened. Oh, okay. And, yeah, my... my nice job, Hamish. My, my, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was very intuitive of you. That's amazing, Hamish. That's awesome. Well, um, my yeah, my it, it was almost like I needed the troops right to lead me, and then I was and then I was set on my way. Right. Yeah. And uh, I do, and I do walk beside myself every day, and I'm I'm not afraid of that anymore. Yeah. I used yeah. to be. I used to be, and I'm and I'm not afraid of that anymore. And part of that is, you know, going back to the self esteem and having the courage to live yeah. and walk in your own. Journey. Yeah. That's really what I'm getting. And yeah, we'll stop with there so you don't give away too much of the book, but for certainly for listeners <laughs> for, for listeners to sort of get that connection as yeah. well, that it's you know, they they might be alone physically that people are but you yeah, what they're gonna get from that sort of message from it, we'll let them sit let that sit with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Exactly. So, so anyway. So I've I've got a couple more questions before we uh, wrap it up for this this time. Number one is, uh, is there anything that you would like to talk about that we've not covered with our questions today? Um, that's a great question, Nathan. <laughs> I could go in so many different directions. We can get you back again. <laughs> sure. <laughs> this is true. We can. We can. Well, I, and many, I, many I, of I, these I'll people, you, yeah. Well, as, I, as I'm talking to two men... Um, I, I will say this. I think that women are portrayed in the media as being very catty and as being very um, kind of against each other. And my book, I, there's a lot of reasons why I, why I wrote my book and published it. Well, and one of the reasons is because I wanted to completely 
change the way women see each other. And I, I've actually gotten a couple calls, one from a Hollywood lawyer and another from uh, a syndicated uh, attorney as well, because, you know, I, in our culture, we, we portray women in a certain way. Like, just look at Bravo. Look at all the housewife shows. And these are women that are tearing each other apart and being applauded for it. Yep. My book is quite literally the opposite of that. And, and, it's, and it's a portrayal of women standing by each other. And, and listen, these women, they have lives of their own. They had health issues of their own. They had to feed their own family. And they gave up themselves. They gave up part of themselves. They gave up part of their families to serve and to help mine. And, you know, that kind of selflessness is important to show, especially in this day and age, especially in this world. And so I think that that message that I'm trying to get across is, 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 is important. And I also think that uh, one, one, of the, one of the lawyer, one of the entertainment lawyers called me, he said, you know, Hollywood is changing a little bit and Hollywood is softening in that regard. And they're, they're looking for content that is more towards things like my book that are women empowering women versus women tearing each other down. So I think that that's, it's an important topic. It's something we should talk about. And I think it's something that one into one, it motivated me to write the story about what these women did for me. Yep. Okay. So one, one other question I have is, uh, is there anything that you would like to give away to those who have been listening today? Giveaway in what regard? Oh, I suppose if you've got some, uh, a resource, like a, uh, yeah, some chapter. Have you got a, a, a PDF with some chapters of like a chapter X? Kickstart kick them into the book. Oh, absolutely! I'd love to get. Yeah. So, so I just did a I just did a promotion on Goodreads, and yep. I gave ten books away. And I think I had eight hundred and sixty people um, wanted wanted the book, and I gave ten away. I would yep. love to give three books away to your listeners. So if you all, okay. I don't know how you want, you all want to do that, but I would love to do that. And I'll give it if a sign If you've got copy. a website link a or if you've got a website link. Yeah. If you have a yeah. website link or maybe, maybe what we need to do is just get that information from you after the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can decide how you want to do it and send that over to us and we can include it in the show notes. That might be the easiest yes, and or, yeah. or I can send you all three signed books and then you can do what you want, you know, distribute them, but whatever, however you guys want to do it. But I would love to do that. Okay. Thank you very much. So, um, okay. So that's pretty much it for, for our questions and our time today. I just want to thank you for joining us, for being a part of the, the show. Um, well, thank you. My thank, name you is Nathan. Hamid. thank you, Christine. Thank you lovely. so much. Thank you both. Yeah, I think you're doing such an amazing thing, and the Thought Hackers is, is important. So I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you getting this message out. And it's yeah, not only just for the listeners, but the journey that we go through ourselves listening to these stories. To it's 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 fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's lucky. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. So anyway, um, thanks for joining us today. My name is Nathan Siegel. I'm with my colleague Hamish Baston, and we are the Thought Hackers. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Thought Hackers. Make sure you subscribe and get each new episode emailed straight to you so you don't miss a show. 
and have a look at our resources page where you will find programs, audios and books that will create change in your thoughts.